Welcome back to the podcast. This is Charlotte, Creative and Technical Director here at Evidence for Faith, and welcome to our special Memorial Day episodes. I won't do any ads today, but just as a reminder, our new content comes out every Tuesday and Friday. So if you're new to the podcast, make sure to subscribe either to a podcast or a YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of links in the description, but here is Michael Lane and Matsiba Stone's Memorial Day special. Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. This is your host, Michael Lane, and I wanted to do a special broadcast for this this season that we're in right now. As we're coming on to the um, time of year, we celebrate Memorial Day. And a lot of times today, it's just a day for grilling, but not for me. My father was a, a veteran of World War II who lost a lot of buddies in the war, and this was always a, a day that he seemed to be a little mellow about. But I want to talk to you about um, Memorial Day, but in a, in a different way. I want to do this um, not just as an honoring thing or whatever. That's not my purpose. Uh, the purpose for Evidence for Faith is to, you know, show that there is evidence of God and to help people grow in their relationship with God, to add to their faith through history, science, um, the Bible itself, and logic. And as we're doing... Um, fulfilling these goals as we go through this ministry. Um, I'm entitling this lesson, this special lesson for this Memorial Day weekend, Masaba Stones for Memorial Day. Now, as we get into this, I, I know most of you have never heard of Matsaba Stones, uh, or even the word Matsaba, but I'll explain this to you as we go along. But let's, uh, first of all, just open in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that so many people have laid down their life um, freely, that people have done this to defend our, our nation, our Constitution, and Lord have gave the ultimate sacrifice. Some are on eternal patrols, still out in the ocean, sailors throughout wars. Others uh, from our Revolutionary War on have paid the ultimate price, and we thank you for such brave people as that. But Lord, it also makes me think of how you, Jesus, laid down your life for us to have eternal life with you. And let us not take any of these lightly as we go into this. So bless this lesson, bless our, our weekend that we have also. In Jesus' name, amen. As a nation, we are about to celebrate Memorial Day. Um, for those of you who don't know, it found its roots on uh, the 5th of May, back in 1868, when General John Logan, now he was the national commander of the Grand Republic of the Army at the time, he officially proclaimed it in a written order. Um, though it was originally named Decoration Day, because what they did is they decorated graves, it was a day basically set aside uh, that this general did to decorate the graves of thousands of both Union and Confederate soldiers who had fallen on the battlefields across the nation as a result of our Civil War. And this went on for decades afterwards. Um, and then after World War I, 
the holiday, and though I hate to call it a holiday, it's it's more of a remembrance day, changed from honoring just those who died fighting in the Civil War to honoring Americans who died fighting in any war. And we celebrate this um, in strange ways, maybe in some cases, but we celebrate it with parades. I remember uh, marching as a child in, in parades. Um, one parade, I was when I was in the uh, Cub Scouts, I was um, the flag bearer, actually going down the main street of our little town um, and then going into a graveyard. Um, and they decorated the graves of sailors and soldiers who died in uniform defending this great nation. And that's what goes on throughout the, this country. And many people still do this. And I think it's a great honor to do this. Um, leaving flowers, in some cases coins, uh, by certain traditions on the tombstones of, of fallen soldiers and sailors. But um, in 1971, the National Holiday Act was congressionally passed, making the last Monday of May the day to recognize the fallen heroes. That's why it's always on a Monday now. Um, and according to the Congressional Act, at 3 o'clock, many people don't even know this, that at 3 o'clock on that Monday in the afternoon, people are asked to stop what they're doing and pause in absolute silence and remember those who have fallen. Uh, flowers and flags are set on stones and placed to their memories. So how do you remember events of people or events that take place in your life? Most people today, we um, are getting more and more away from from um, celebrating by placing flags or other things all around. But I'm just not talking about just any uh, or just people who have died in defending our country and our Constitution. I'm just not talking about that. I'm just thinking in general. When an event happens in your life, somebody, something has played a major role. How do you record it? I mean, people do. Maybe you don't think about this too often, but actually a lot of people do. I have done this many times too. Most people today, while well, we have cameras and video recorders and stuff like this, that we can record certain events. But some people, and I do this myself, I've, I've got some flowers from graves of people that I have pressed, um, put it in a book and I keep it in special places or... Um, little objects that they've handed me and I um, passed on to me from others, or um, in some cases it's a relative, some cases it was students of mine, um, and even some memories of students that when I was a teacher in school, I had the sad events happening where some of my students died during the school year. And to this day, that still is something that is strongly on my mind when when the day comes up that we lost them. So I remember certain things like that and also great things that have happened that um, I will, I have, we, we will frame documents. Um, some people will frame their, their diplomas and stuff um, or a picture of them with a distinguished person or at some place and they display these. You ever think about this? We often display such stuff around our house and then when visit, visitors come in and they look at this, oh, is there a story behind this? Yes, let me tell you about it. And we have that kind of thing. 
Um, but, you know, though we've been doing this since ancient times, in ancient times they didn't have cameras and videos. Um, they didn't have stuff like this. They couldn't uh, just have an image taken of it and hung on the side of their tent or in their, in their stone house or something. So what people did in ancient times is they often would remember certain events with stones, what's called a standing stone, which is the word matsaba or masaba. Um, and it literally means, the, the word itself in Hebrew means to set up, to set up. Um, we're talking like a, a memorial stone being set up. We, we do this in graveyards, of course. You set up, um, uh, you know, tombstones and stuff, and they set up monuments to display certain things. So we have things like this. But in ancient times, they would take a stone, and they would, it was called a masaba, and they would set this up. Now, the ancient Israelites... And the other nations of Canaan followed this custom. Um, this is in the Bible in numerous places. In the case of Israel, these standing stones were a specific reminder of God's covenant or his supernatural acts that he did on their behalf. Once erected, the stone, um, had, which has a story, the story would be passed on as people would see the monument, the stone there, and it would get passed on from generation to generation through oral tradition. People would talk about these, and so it would go on from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, in some cases, they were inscribed with things or they were written on. In other cases, they're not. I have been to Israel numerous times, and I have seen some of these stones still standing from from way back in the um, Iron Age, one uh, Bronze Age, um, and, and stuff that they have—they've set these up from back in the old, early Old Testament days. These things are still standing, um, though the the writing on them has faded and stuff. We don't know exactly what many of them are, but there have been a few that have been found um, through archaeology that do pertain to the Bible. Um, and they're rare, but we have found those. At times, God ordered the Israelites to set up specific stones to mark an event. The main objective here is that God wants us to reflect and to recall what he has accomplished in our lives. I'm going to repeat that, because the object is that God wants us to reflect and recall what he has accomplished in our lives. Now, folks, that's called history. That's history. And it's important to God. Thus, it should be important to us. Now, I love history. It's one of the four pillars of evidence for faith. Um, I absolutely love history. I love to go to battlefields or um, and, and historical places and just look over stuff and read things. I absolutely love that. I love museums and stuff. Um, most uh, of my family, my wife um, and my daughters, are not that much into history and stuff like this, though I have tried and tried to, to get them into it. They just, they're, they're just not that much into it. And, you know, there's different people— um, are interested in some subjects and not others. But I want to want to see what God says about this. Now, look, in if you have your Bibles, um, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 46, I want to read uh, verses 9 through 11. I'll be using for this, and I'll be switching some translations here as we go through this today, but I'm starting off with our translation we generally use, the English Standard Version, which is a word-for-word translation. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 reads, Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. 
declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Skipping down a little bit, it reads, I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Now, you see, this little passage here tells us a couple of wonderful things about God. First of all, he is supreme and in absolute control. Um, History, in its essence, is his story. Nothing is ever or ever will change by random chance. In the 1990s, scientists declared that random chance never really occurs in the universe. There is no such thing as random chance. There's certain patterns that just seem to follow. Even molecules follow certain patterns. And that is what God has been saying all along. You know, another interesting thing about this passage, because I I sometimes get asked by young people mostly about um, are some of the other gods that were mentioned in my mythology and stuff, are they real and just the God of Israel is the most powerful of all? No, because right here, God says that he is God alone. There is none. There is no other. There is only one God. Isaiah, um, the prophet, tells us this under the influence of God himself. But a second thing that we come across is what happens in our lives is part of world history. We get that from this passage. What happens in our lives is part of history. And God has an influence in and on our lives. This is why the Bible contains the phrase so often, remember, remember, often followed by what God has done in your past. Remember. And when we fail to take time and notice what God has done in and with our lives, well, we run the risk of becoming narrow-minded, proud, and relying only on ourselves when we don't focus on God. God wants us to take time and recall or remember the former things of old, as it says in that passage. Remember the former things of old. Look what else he recorded. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, we read, Remember what the Lord your God did. See, this is history. Remember what God did. In Psalm chapter 77, verses 11 and 12, um, we read, I will remember the deeds of of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. This is talking about reviewing history, going back and looking at things through history. And and again, as I said in Isaiah 46:9, remember the former things of old for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Now, in Old Testament times, God had the Israelites recall events that their, um, their children and passerbyers, visitors to the nations, Gentiles and others, um, would see and be impressed with what he had done. Now, since they didn't have movie theaters, they didn't have TV, they didn't have the internet, um, and they didn't have cameras, how did they do this? Well, they did it by um, setting up stones and stuff, but God orders them to remember these things. For instance, in, during the first Passover, back in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, God declares a command telling the people to remember, to recall the historic event. Let's just go to Exodus chapter 12, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to read this out of the God's Word translation. Um, it's sort of like a mixture between word for word and thought for thought, like sort of in the middle there. So it gives us a pretty good understanding because it's also written on a lower reading level than the ESV. But 
Exodus 12, 24 through 27 reads, you must follow these instructions. They are a permanent law for you and your children. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, observe this ceremony. When your children ask, ask you what this ceremony means to you, you must answer, it's the Passover sacrifice in the Lord's honor. The Lord passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he killed the Egyptians. Then the people knelt, bowing with their faces, touching the ground. The Israelites did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So you see, they were to remember this event. It's history, this part of history, and they were to remember it, God says, forever. But even before this command taking place with, with Moses in the Exodus and stuff, we find other examples in the book of Genesis um, where God is recalling a special event and the biblical characters are doing this. They recall a specific event that God has done. Uh, for instance, give you a classic example. Jacob had a dream of God's house and glory. In Genesis chapter 28, uh, verse 18, out of the God's Word translation, we read, Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had put under his head. He set it up as a marker and poured olive oil on top of it. Now, why would anybody do this? Well, he's setting up a memorial stone. For what? To recall the events he just experienced. He later sets up another stone to mark an agreement between himself and his father-in-law. So people have been doing this, and often we, we read the Bible, but a lot of times we don't catch these things, that they are setting up stones to remember these events, and these stones are called Masaba stones. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses had stones set up as a reminder of the events that had occurred at Mount Sinai. Uh, Exodus chapter 24, verse 4, again, out of the God's Word translation. So Moses wrote down all the Lord's words. Early the next morning, he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 sacred stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. So they have just experienced a wonderful event. And so for each, and they're all divided by their tribes. So each tribe had its own stone that would stay there, and then centuries later, people could come back and see the stones, and or generations later, and people would ask, what's this? And it would have been passed down through generations, and also through the Word of God, they would know what the, these stones represent. Joshua did this also. In Joshua chapter 4, God commands Joshua to set up stones to mark the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan River on dry land, when it was at flood stage before conquering Jericho. And here, it's explained in detail why this stone monument is so important. God gives us a description of it. So looking in Joshua chapter 4, this is going to be verses 21 through 24 again. I'm going to read it out of the God's Word translation. And it reads, At Gilgal, Joshua set up 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the people of Israel, In the future, when children ask their parents, What do these stones mean? The children should be told that Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. The Lord your God dried up the Jordan ahead of you until you had crossed, as he did to the Red Sea until we had crossed. The Lord did this so that everyone in the world would know his mighty power and that you would fear the Lord your God every day of your life. 
Now, after this event, Joshua again takes up stones and sets them up to in a dedication to what God had done for the people. If you keep reading through Joshua, you keep coming across these. In Joshua chapter 8, for instance, after two major battles, Joshua writes the Law of Moses, which most scholars think that was the book of Deuteronomy, and he writes it on a stone that is set up. Um, it was covered in plaster, and he wrote on it. Though writing on the stones was unusual for Israelites, uh, the making of stone monuments was a central part of Israel's life and of worship. These stones always reminded them of the historical events that was due to God. They would remember what people had done, what God had done through people. They became a visible sign of the faithfulness of God that fam the families of Israelites and Gentiles could recognize for years to come. Probably the most well-known example of a Masaba or standing stone is no doubt found in 1 Samuel, when the prophet Samuel set up one after a battle with the Philistines. He actually gives it a name. Uh, this is unusual to actually give it a name, but he gave it a name called Ebenezer. Um, and we even have this in some of our hymns that we sing today. And a lot of people sing it and they have no idea um, when we come across, I will, I will set up my Ebenezer. And people are like, what in the world is that? Um, but what it means, it, literally the word Ebenezer means stone of help. So it's, it's, um, it's dedicated and showing how God helped. In this case, it's 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Again, I'm going to read out of the God's Word translation. Then Samuel took a rock and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, Rock of Help, and said, Until now the Lord has helped us. So we see this stone placed, it was on a high mountain. It would be in view of all the people passing by from all the countries as they're traveling to the land of the Hittites up in Turkey or to the Chaldeans over uh, in present-day Iraq or uh, through Egypt down to the south and, and west as because Israel sat on the crossroads of these three great nations. And as the people would go by, they'd see these things on the these stones standing, and they, of course, would ask, what's that thing? And it was a reminder of a testimony, basically, of what God had done. That was the main purpose of the Israelites setting up these stones. They were a reminder or a symbol of the Lord's blessing and help. We set up stones today to remember and to not forget certain blessings in our lives and stuff. Masabas or standing stones today are found in many archaeological sites, like I say, all over Israel. Some are very mysterious, and are and when we're talking stones, I'm not just, I know in a, uh, as we're talking on a podcast, it's hard to visualize. Some of these stones are only like a foot, a foot, you know, and tall. Others um, are over 10 feet high, um, and some of them are still standing. Yes, 10 feet high. That's, that's a huge column stone standing up. And they stand today. Um, they don't have writing on them or anything, but you find them in Israel. Um, in Gezer, uh, one of the places that we, we go to on our tours to Israel, and you go to Gezer, you get up on the high hill on the tell, and you'll see a, a series of these standing there on top of the hill. Some of them very, very tall, like I say, about 10 feet high. Hatsor, just north of the Sea of uh, Galilee, as you move up, there was the capital of Canaan when Joshua came into the land, and there are are standing stones there also. Um, some we have a feeling were um, used for different purposes. Some were um, possibly by the Canaanites and stuff were used for worship. But in any case, they're scattered all over the land. Um, 
these stone memorials were used to mark, like I say, a special event or an unusual event or somebody special. God had the people of Israel to set up Masabas also to mark unusual or special events in their lives. It was to make known to them for future generations and visitors what God had done. It was for miracles that he performed. They would set them up. It was for the care he provided. They would set them up. It was for the blessings of life. They would set them up. When something significant happened, they were supposed to set up a stone. But now listen carefully, because here's where sometimes the Israelites and the Hebrews went went wrong on this. These stones were not to be worshipped. No. They were just supposed to be a simple reminder for them to recall and remember what God had done. That's what they were for. And as people walked by them, they could ask, even if they're not Jewish and just visitors, they could ask what these stones meant, and God would be glorified through this. Peter even picked up on this in the ancient Jewish custom here of stone monuments. In in, uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, going back to the English Standard Version, we read, As you come to him, this is talking about Jesus, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is where we sometimes have some uh, Christian songs and hymns talking about Jesus being, you know, the cornerstone, um, the stone that uh, some will trip over. Others, you know, they recognize who Jesus is. But did you catch, which is not talking about Jesus, but it says here that you yourselves are like living stones, talking to Christians. We are to be Masabas today, for God wants us to be living a life like a Masaba. We're supposed to be a life honoring and pointing towards God. But even so, it's not wrong today for Christians to literally, if they want, to set up and make use of an Ebenezer, a Masaba, or a standing stone today. We can do this. There's no commandment saying we can't. God uses this in both the Old and the New Covenant. So let me ask you, do you have some significant event in which God performed an amazing feat for you? Maybe it's your salvation experience. Maybe it's a time when God healed you of some really bad and maybe even terminal disease. Maybe it's a time when God answered a specific prayer. Or maybe it's a time that God got you out of a predicament that was weighing very, very heavily upon you and almost crushing you. Here's my challenge. Why don't you go someplace, or maybe it's even you were at some place where this happened, um, I used to work at the Northwoods uh, camp uh, in in Wisconsin here in Fort Wilderness, and many stones laying around. And I have actually challenged people people over the past to if if some significant thing happened in their life, here, pick up the stone, take it home, wash it up, polish it up with some olive oil or whatever, and stick it on a shelf, and or stick it in your on your desk. Take it to work and put it there. Actually, I had a lady one time after I was I said this to, to a group of people. A lady about two years later came up to me telling me that she had picked up a stone while at Fort commemorating what God had done in her life. I believe it had to do with a terminal cancer that she had that just seemed to disappear as she prayed. And she gave glory to God by this. So she picked a stone um, when she heard me talking about this. And she took a stone home and set it on a desk um, at 
work. And it's just like a, about a foot high stone, just a piece of granite. But she polishes it every now and then, she said, was telling me with, with olive oil, just uh, gives it a nice shine. And people in the office area where she worked saw this and people would come up and they're like, why do you have that stone there? It's just a big hunk of rock. What's it mean? And she would go into the whole description. And she influenced people for God, for the kingdom of God using this. Matter of fact, that she was telling me this story, she said, I recall that she said that she was even uh, used the stone to tell people about Jesus and the saving Lord that we have and led someone um, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a great challenge for us. Why don't we do that? Why don't you pick up a stone and use it to remind you of some special event that you can set this up and people will ask questions about? Oh, set it up in your living room. Maybe put it in your kitchen, your den, your desk at work, wherever. And take that Masaba stone and put it out, your Ebenezer. And when people ask you about the stone, tell them what God's done for you. Well, we'll soon be honoring Memorial Day, a day established for the fallen who gave the ultimate sacrifice for their country. Many will lay flowers, place flags or coins, as I said, on stones of remembrance of these heroes as we relate and think back to their lives or what they did. And how about this year? How about setting up a stone to honor God who's helped us and helped you? He gave his son who also died, died to obtain victory for us over sin and death. He died to give us life. Right there, that's a good reason, I think, to set up a stone. Father God, help us not to forget, for one, the fallen heroes that we celebrate this time of year. But Lord, also help us not to ever forget what Jesus did for us, the pain and suffering he went through just because he loved us. And he wanted us to be a part of his family that we can be adopted into the eternal family of God the Father, and live with him forever. He paid the price, the ultimate price. As we celebrate many people who have paid the ultimate price for our nation, let us not forget to honor Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate price for us to live with you. Thank you so much. We can never repay what we owe you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining me on this special little broadcast here that we have on Masaba Stones Memorial Day. And I hope you'll take some time and think about it. Until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.